Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Goals on Film, Edge of the Crowd's dedicated sports movies podcast. I'm your host Jason and joining me today is Beck and Danny. How are the both of you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Um, I'm super excited to be on here talking about Cars. It's a movie that I loved when I was a child um, and I'm a very big motorsport fan myself. So yeah, keen to jump on here and chat some stuff about a movie that I grew up with. I love the fact that you said it was a movie that you love as a child because I'm 26 and this is still a top 10 movie for me. <laughs> um, Cars is a classic for me and awesome soundtrack and just a lot of fun. So I'm very keen to dig into this movie. Yeah, I think it's definitely a movie that holds up when you first watch it as a child and even now as well, you know, 20, 15 years later. So we will dig into the episode itself now as well. And we are looking at the 2006 animated car racing comedy Cars, um, mostly because it is the Miami Grand Prix on this weekend as well. So sort of celebrating that. But we will just give you a bit of a description about what Cars is about. It follows a rookie race car named Lightning McQueen, who, after a three-way tie in the Piston Cup between him, Strip the King Weathers, and Chick Hicks, a final race is announced to be in California in a week's time from that, that uh, previous race. Along the way to California, McQueen gets lost as a result of accidentally falling out of his trailer truck, and he ends up in a rundown town called Radiator Springs, a town along the famous Route 66. He finds himself in a little bit of trouble with the town's sheriff in a high-speed chase where he causes damage to the town and its road, and as such is sentenced to some community service before being allowed to leave and head to California for the final Piston Cup race. McQueen, he labels himself as a one-man show and without the need for a true team behind him, but being in Radiator Springs, this sees McQueen learn about friendship, family, and the things in life that are truly worth waiting for as he earns back his freedom. So, Beck, Danny, you've sort of said previously about what you felt uh, while watching this film, whether it was... Uh, in your youth or even now but what do you th guys think of the film overall and what do you like about it and is there any parts that you don't like maybe okay um so I mean growing up my brother he's very big into like his actual cars so cars was always on the tv and it just brings back so many good memories um, but even as an adult watching back, like it's not just for the kids. Um, there are lots of jokes that are there for the adults. Um, my favourite one is about, my favourite one is Mater's Piston Cup joke. Um, where he goes, you did what in the cup? Did you know Doc is a famous race car? <laughs> no, 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 it's true. He's a real racing legend. He's the fabulous Hudson Hornet. Fabulous. I've never seen Doc drive more than 20 miles an hour. I mean, have you ever seen him race? No, but I wish I could have. They say it was amazing. He won three Piston Cups. <laughs> he did what in his cup? I thought that was hilarious. Um, but I just love how quirky all the characters are, especially those um, out in Radiator Springs. Um, you know, obviously we've got the two Italian diehard Ferrari fans. We've got the senile old car Lizzie, which, I mean, she's just a mood talking to herself. Um, and then, you know, you've got the hippie competing with the sergeant next door and it's just lots and lots of fun. Um, but as well, I love, um, I guess, how aware they are of the motorsporting world in terms of making 
the film and we'll touch on that a little bit later in some of our other segments. Um, but yeah, just the awareness of the sports and of all the different races that do, ex- you know, drivers and stuff like that, that do exist in the real world. And you can definitely see those parallels in a lot of the racing characters, which I think is awesome. So. Yeah, definitely. I love most of it. Um, it is a really fun one to follow along with and, and, you know, see the character development from lightning from being like, uh, egotistical me 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 kind of guy to um, someone who develops a bond with a community that really wouldn't be one that he belongs to otherwise and realize what the true meaning of like friendship and um, and success is and it's not necessarily winning um, piston cups so that one that's what I really like about it something else that I like and dislike at the same time is that it's quite it's, it's got the similar storyline to a 1991 film called Doc Hollywood, which is about um, a surgeon who, who is going to LA but takes a detour through a small town and finds himself falling in love with the town and the people there. So um, that did draw a bit of criticism when it was released. Um, and, you know, that could be like, a, oh, they ripped off the film kind of thing. But also it could be like, oh, this is a fresh kid's take on that that movie um so yeah that that's that could go either way so that is that's my thoughts on it really um I already said that I love the soundtrack as well I could honestly do a whole podcast just on it when you've got Rascal Flats and the chords both on the same soundtrack love it love it Cheryl Crow as well in in the as opening song um yeah that's that's what I love about it. I do just love the um, comfort of the film as well. Like you can sit there and watch and just feel like, you know, like you're going back to your childhood and, you know, curled up on the couch with your family watching it or, um, yeah, it's it's something that you don't have to think about, which is very different to Cars 2, which is a whole other story. Yeah, I think what I really enjoyed about this is just because, like, it is set in a world populated entirely by anthropomorphic talking cars and other vehicles and you know you saw you know the expressions on the cars on planes on um you know everything like this all sorts of modes of transport trains and all this sort of stuff um and I think it was just something really different that I don't think that I've really properly seen before um in terms of you know an animated movie having uh such sort of like expressioned uh vehicles I guess um and I think that they did really well with those expressions and sort of the mannerisms and how they talked and how they like interacted with each other and, um, you know, still had sort of all those qualities and characteristics of actual people. And so like, I think that that was conveyed really well throughout the whole movie. Um, and so, yeah, I think that the uh, filmmakers did a really good job of that. And obviously as well, they were sort of true to the type of, uh, vehicle they were um, and sort of the make or model of the cars that they were based off um, in real life as well and I think that that sort of gave a bit of more sort of like energy towards like actually knowing who the character was and sort of connecting like the character to the car um, and I look at that especially in the example of Sarge um, he's a brown green 1941 Willys model jeep and he's in the style of 
you know, the car that they use in the US military. And so I think that like a connection like that, to make a connection like that and convey that so well on the screen and have that connection that, you know, anyone can sort of make that connection um, between a character named Sarge and uh, having the sort of body of a US military vehicle, I think just, yeah, showed how sort of in touch the movie was and um, yeah, just how that they could piece all that together. I'll just think I like about it too is um, the the diversity. Like you can't you look at a cast and you're like, oh yeah, animated cars, but there are that many different types um, of cars here. Um, every genre, if if we want to say genre, probably isn't the right word. Genre of cars <laughs> is is represented. You've got different nationalities, um, different socioeconomic groups. Um, that's I think that's a really cool highlight as well you know for a movie that's released in 2006 gee that was ahead of its time wasn't it you got Jennifer Lewis who plays Flo as well who is one of my favorite characters I know we'll talk about favorite characters further on in the story but or in the episode but yeah Jennifer Lewis and having having Cheech play Ramon oh so good so good I could not have cast that better just on that as well like one thing I think that was really clever like across the franchise is when they did bring on actual real race drivers to voice some of the cars like Michael Schumacher featured in the end and he was a Ferrari and he had a lot of success with Ferrari. Hi, Lightning McQueen told me this was the best place in the world to get tires. How about setting me and my friends up with three or four sets each? There is a real Michael Schumacher Ferrari in my store. Punch me, Guido. Punch me in the face. This is the most glorious day of my life. Wow. Spero che il tuo amico si riprenda. Mi dicono che siete fantastici. You know, he won a lot of his world championships there. Um, you had Dale Earnhardt Jr., who was a stock car competing in the Piston Cup, and he's... Um, yeah, very involved in the sort of stock car racing scene in America. And then you also see that reflected in the rest of the franchise as well. So they had Lewis Hamilton voice a McLaren in the second one, and he won his first championship at McLaren. So it's just those unique little details that I think make this whole cars universe so well-rounded and so well thought out and just overall really, really cool to watch. Yeah, and I think that that sort of touches on a bit about the film making references to history or wanting to include some people who are big names in the car racing sort of industry as well and wanting to include them in this film about car racing. Um, and I think that, yeah, just going off of that as well, I think it brings like a lot more fun and authenticity to viewing this movie. Um, and so you do see, you know, performances of people lending their voices to a couple of the characters in this movie. Um, you know, for instance, you've got sports commentator Bob Costas. Um, he lends his voice as Bob Cutlass, um, who's a you know, colourful host of the racing events. And then you had Daryl Waltrip as well, who was his co-commentator, I think, as well. And uh, I think that, yeah, I think that if fans of car racing, um, obviously watching this movie, they see those two have such a prominent role and sort of tie it back to what their role is or um, sort of how they're sort of invested in the sport in real life as well. I think that, you know, just 
if you're a car racing fan and you see them on the screen, it just brings a bit of, yeah, authenticity to the sport, to the sport itself and sort of like brings it back to the level of, you know, understanding that, you know, this is just a movie about car racing, you know, it's got cars in it instead of people, but it's still, you know, it's still being made to be like a proper sort of broadcast that you would see in real life too. Yeah, and just adding to that, um, the character of Doc Hudson, like he becomes Lightning McQueen's mentor um, after McQueen, you know, does find um, himself and that little bit of redemption in Radiator Springs. Um, but Doc Hudson himself is actually based off a NASCAR pioneer, um, Herb Thomas, who eventually um, got two championships in um, 1951 and 1953 for the Hudson Hornets. Um, and like Doc Hudson in the movie, it was a crash that did end his career. So it's those little links as well. And even as a Formula One fan, like I can see links to some of the Formula One drivers in a lot of those characters as well. It's not just Formula One either. You've got Dale Earnhardt Jr. who voices yeah. Jr. as well. Um, that's really cool. One of the little fun fun um, voice actor connections that I like is you got Rusty and Dusty Rusties are actually played by brothers, Tom and Ray Magliozzi. I think that's really cool as well. Um, having Having brothers on the screen played by brothers off the screen. Now, obviously we've talked a little bit about some of the historical aspects that have sort of worked their way into the movie, whether it be storylines that have happened in real life or just uh, people involved in the sport lending them lending their voices to this movie. Um, but, you know, it is sort of centred around a town that is along Route 66. And I think that, Obviously, Radiator Springs is a fictional town. The historic route of Route 66 does exist. Um, and I think that a lot of the characters and the places that were shown, especially in Radiator Springs, are based on real people or locations along Route 66 as well. Um, and I think that, yeah, what they did is they sort of went along, you know, Route 66. They saw what it was like to drive along that road. They went into each of the towns, went into each of the diners, each of the shops along the towns um, on this particular road. And they had sort of consultation as well with a few people who knew the road quite well and that sort of thing. So for example, the sheriff in Cars, his voiced by Michael Wallace, he served as a Route 66 consultant for the film. Uh, he's written more than a dozen books, including a best-selling one called Route 66, The Motherload, in 1990. And, yeah, he basically guided the Pixar crew on a couple of their tours of Route 66 to gather research for cars. And, um, you know, he did a behind-the-scenes look in at the film as well. And uh, I think that, yeah, a lot of the sort of characters as well are sort of, like, based upon or sort of who they got to voice the characters are sort of reflective of who they are um, as well and sort of have that really sort of big connection to Route 66 uh, especially. Yeah, there's um, a couple of places along Route 66 and just in um, just in America along, along that sort of area in general that... Um, that are referenced. So Ramones um, is based on the U-Drop Inn in Shamrock in Texas. 
and you've got the Wigram Hotel, um, Wigram Motel, sorry, in Holbrook in Arizona, which is um, used as a reference for the Cozy Cone Motel. Um, and yeah, there's plenty of stops along the way that are um, that are referenced as well. Looking at um, Radiator Springs, you say it's a fictional town, but um, during during the film there is a flashback, and um, some people have gone back and looked at where it could possibly be if it's based on an actual town. And the Radiator Springs position in relation to I forty is pretty much where Peach Springs is on Route sixty six. So um, yeah, it it does um, does reference a lot of real life things while um while being a fictional place which i think is pretty cool it 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 gives it a bit of a placing and makes it um a bit more grounded i guess and beck you sort of alluded to it a bit earlier but in terms of uh how well cars sort of produced uh the sort of effect of car racing um onto the big screen did you want to talk about what you felt uh, or how you felt cars did that in any particular way? Uh, yeah, of course. So um, obviously it's based on the NASCAR format, which essentially features an oval circuit with three or four turns, um, cars that are able to race quite closely together um, and are even able to make, you know, minor instances of contact Um and they're also quite long, lengthy races. So as opposed to some other racing formats where you would see maybe 50 laps, in NASCAR you would see more like 200, 500. You would see just a lot of laps. Um, so in terms of NASCAR, they've pretty much nailed it and got it spot on. Um, in addition to that, across all motorsport, there are several safety things that are implemented, um, like safety cars and, you know, flag marshals. There was lots of waving of the yellow flag um, if a particular car crashed um, and whatnot. So I liked that they included the safety car and the, uh, like, flag marshals as well because, obviously, motorsport, yes, you want to see thrilling races, but you want to see safe races. You don't want to see crashes. Um, and you don't want to see anything done by the officials to, you know, cause it to be unsafe. Um, so I thought that was really, really cool, they, those little details. But I feel like I've said it before, but the Cars franchise is very much in touch with the world of motorsport. Um, and, I mean, there's reference to the European circuit when Luigi and Guido, I think how you say it, um, figure out Latin and Queen's a race car. They allude to the European circuit, which to me is Formula One. Um, and they freak out about Ferrari, which is a real race team. And they have a bunch of very loyal Italian fans. Um, I'm not Italian, but I'm a huge fan of Ferrari, as you can see from my shirt. Um, yeah, so they're just very well-rounded. And throughout the franchise, we also see more of the different varieties of race cars. So we see um, open wheel race cars, we see endurance cars, stock cars, obviously rally cars. We even see a V8 supercar in the Australian version of Cars 2, um, which is voiced by Mark Winterbottom. So it's just, yeah, it's really good to see those little details. And then as well, there are, you know, classic things you associate with racing like pit stops. Um, Guido was fantastic. He would not look out of place in Red Bull's pit crew. Um, Red Bull 
For those of you who don't know, they currently hold the world record for the fastest pit stop time. And I think Louis, um, I think Guido might have just pipped them because that pit stop in the final race was fantastic. My moustache fell off like Chick Hicks's crew did too. So I thought it was great. Definitely. I like the um, reference to Cadillac as well with um, Tex Dynaco. He, he isn't based off a Route 66 resident, but he has um, the big horns that is, um, that is so reminiscent of Cadillacs as well. Yeah, and I think just for me in terms of what I've watched from car racing as well is just that, uh, you know, like a lot of the shots that they had during the movie, like, you know, you had the classic shots of, uh, you know, the camera being sort of on position on the ground and just seeing like the wheels come past and then you've got the really big bird's eye shots to see how big it is. And I think that that was sort of really reflective of, you know, the camera angles that you might get on a real sort of NASCAR broadcast as well um and you know I think that it sort of like followed along with the cars quite you know sort of easily and sort of effortlessly and seamlessly and that sort of thing um and so like I think that it was easy to sort of like pick up and follow through and obviously in 400 200 lap races you know you had the uh the sort of clock counting down in terms of how many laps were left to go and that sort of thing so that sort of you know, kept the story going. And so, um, you know, you always knew what was happening um, in terms of that. The one thing I will say, though, that I find a little unrealistic is organising a whole other race just to decide the title winner. Um, being tied on points is rare enough as it is in motorsport because it is, it's not just one race. It's a whole championship, a whole season of racing. So while being tied on points is very, very much possible, we saw it last year with Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, um, organising a whole race to break that tie, I feel it's just a little bit unrealistic and a bit of a logistical nightmare. I mean, so many different... It, Yes, I'm like the course would have existed already, but there's organizing crew, organizing tickets, um, getting the teams across to the race, get organizing media, organizing accreditation and all that sort of stuff. And um, it's a little unrealistic and there are other ways of breaking ties, such as who's had the most wins, um, if they've all had the same amount of wins, who's come, you know, who's had the most second place. Um, but yeah, organizing a whole other race is just a tad... Yeah, just a tad unrealistic, but hey, it's cars. We're talking about talking cars here. Anything's possible in that universe. And to organise it all in a week too, <laughs> please. All right, so we'll take a look at the acting performances or rather the voice acting performances of this animated movie now. And I'll highlight a few of the uh, voice actors especially, but... Obviously, feel free to bring up any others as well. And so I guess in terms of the main cast, Owen Wilson as Lightning McQueen, who is a red race car, rookie race car, uh, who is yearning for his first Piston Cup. We have Paul Newman as Doc Hudson, a blue 1951 Hudson Hornet, who is later revealed to be a famous race car himself, the fabulous Hudson Hornet. Uh, he resides in Radiator Springs. We have Bonnie Hunt as Sally Carrera, another resident of Radiator Springs. She's a blue 2002 996 series Porsche 911 Carrera. Um, and 
towards the end is Lightning McQueen's love interest. And then we have Larry the Cable Guy as Mater. He's a brown 1951 International Harvester L170 boom truck um, with the elements of a mid-1950s Chevrolet. Um, and he's a yeah, tow truck, really, and uh, he sort of befriends Lightning McQueen when Lightning McQueen first ends up in Radiator Springs and they become sort of best friends. And so uh, I guess, yeah, to you, Beck and Danny, what did you think of the voice acting performances of the cast and whether you do want to touch on those four in particular or any others that you feel like it. Um, yeah, what did you think of the voice acting? Um, well, for Owen Wilson, I'm going to say, wow. Damn it, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think the delivery of some of his lines um, were just fantastic. Um, he managed to strike that balance of the likable but also very arrogant, you know, self-assured rookie. Um, and you could really tell, you know, he, he managed to get those moments of arrogance across really, really well, um, shouting like, I'm a famous race car, like delivering all those almost do you know who I am sort of lines. I thought they were really well executed. Um but Larry the Cable Guy as Mater, he just, it, I think it's the voice that makes Mater so good. Um, and the delivery of just some of those comedic gems with that accent is just awesome. Um, you can't help but laugh, you know, because he always sounds so confident when he talks and he could just be saying the silliest thing. And it's just the beauty of um, how Mater was voiced. Yeah, I would love to give a shout out to Richard Petty for uh, for voicing the king. I think that was a perfect choice. Um, he was a stock car racer himself, uh, raced from 1958 to 1992. So obviously has the credentials for it. But I don't know, he had the perfect voice. I really enjoyed it. I don't know how much you know, acting experience he has. Um, I know that he was in a film in like the late 1960s called Speedway, but um, that was um, that was ages ago. Um, but yeah, he, he nailed that one. Um, Owen Wilson, I, I won't lie, I actually didn't realise it was Owen Wilson acting it until recently. Um I, I don't know if that's just because I got so immersed in the character of Lightning McQueen that I just never connected the pair, especially because Owen's sort of known for, you know, the goofy kind of um, larrikin kind of character. I've just never really thought of him as a, a young rookie kind of confident kind of person, I guess. Um, and just having the animation there was just another mask to hide that from me. So uh, probably me being oblivious as well, but um, knowing that he's actually behind it actually makes a lot of sense. And I think that being able to um, create that character and put up that facade so that I cannot see that it's Owen Wilson, it shows a lot of talent. Um, yeah, I, I really think that that was an awesome performance. And like I mentioned before, I really loved Jennifer Lewis as Flo. I um, think she nailed that one, had the right smooth kind of voice. Um, and Catherine Hellman as Lizzie. I know that you mentioned that before, Beck, um, about 
<laughs> the character that Lizzie is, but I think that Catherine really lent to an, into it really well. And um, I enjoyed watching um, or listening to her her performance. Um, and I think you raised a really point, good point there, Danny, in terms of seeing, you know, the actor sort of being masked behind an animation. And so, like, you know, I think what we're so used to as well is, like, seeing an actor in in their entirety in terms of voice and just like themselves and you know their form of acting and so like yeah I think that obviously voice acting is completely different and I think that so many of these voice actors they each contributed to their you know respective character in different ways and so like you know you didn't have like one sort of single same sort of character um, throughout the whole movie, they were, you know, all completely different in terms of who they were, um, how they sort of pre were presented on the screen, and um, just sort of, yeah, like the delivery of their characters. And I think that that's something that uh, was sort of really special to see in Cars especially. And I think that, yeah, it just, you know, contributed to, uh, I guess, having these voice actors and, you know, having no one the same. And I think that that sort of, you know, connected you more to different types of characters in different ways as well. I just want to say as well, Michael Keaton, um, his voicing of Chick Hicks was fantastic um, and he nailed it because he made me hate the character, which we're supposed to do. He had that real gruffness and sort of over-aggression and, yeah, he just voiced the villain of that race, um, of the race. Well, yeah, I guess of the race, because what did he do to the king in his last race? I am not coming in behind you again, old man. Oh, no. Bloody shunt him off the track. Um... <laughs> But yeah, the villain of the race and the movie, he just nailed it. Smack bang. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, I was probably going to bring up Owen Wilson especially as well because you did see him be this like arrogant type of person and then transition into being sort of more, a more caring, lovable person as well uh, from his time in Radiator Springs. And so I think that it was good that Owen Wilson was able to capture that, um, you know, those sort of, different parts of Lightning McQueen um, throughout the film, dependent on, you know, where Lightning McQueen's story was and sort of what was happening to his character. Um, and, yeah, I probably was going to uh, actually point out Michael Keaton as well because he just came across as, well, he did really well to come across as this person that is the villain and was always going to do, a, uh, you know, no matter what, you know, win at, win at all costs, no matter what sort of attitude. And I think that, again, like with the combination of Michael Keaton's voice and the animation of his character, I think you did really get that aggressiveness come through. And I think that so much of that is through Michael Keaton's voice. I mean, we have seen him play like a few sort of villains in the past as well. And so uh, we sort of know that he can play that type of character. But I think that, again, it's so different uh, coming from uh, an, animated, an, an animated movie than it is, you know, just a sort of feature film uh, in itself as well. Um, and, yeah, so 
I think that, yeah, for me, I think that, as I said at the start, I think that every single voice actor played their character in a different way to others. And I think that that was really cool. All right, so we've talked now about the voice acting uh, was and, you know, their relation to portraying these characters in the movie. Was there any character, whether it was the character as a whole or parts of the character, where you felt like this particular character was relatable to you? Stanley, because Stanley's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I am currently deceased. <laughs> Lizzie, no. because I talk to myself when I'm driving alone. <laughs> <laughs> No, I relate a lot to Red, the fire truck. Um, lives in a firehouse in Radiator Springs. Um, very emotional person. Um, friendly. I say I'd friendly. I'm probably not the shyest person, but I am a bit of an introvert. Um, <laughs> quite childish. Very much me. Um, and tends to burst into tears a lot, which can also relate. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I... I um, I do relate to Red. Uh, he is um, a bit clumsy as well. Um, and yeah, he he is he does have a bit of stealth behind him. I'm not gonna lie. He was able to take um, the Queen by surprise, um, spraying him with his hose to clean the bits of cactus off him. Um, I yeah, I felt like um, Red is someone that I could potentially play um, if if given the chance. <laughs> <laughs> do you have plant babies that you like to look after look this is probably where we differ um because i actually killed my cactus um <laughs> and uh then my mum was like i know what i'll do i will uh give her a plant for her birthday despite me telling her that I'd give I'd killed my cactus and uh yeah no you can imagine how how long that plant lasted <laughs> and Beck which character do you relate to most um I've alluded to it before but if you're watching you just need to look at my shirt to know if you're not watching and you're listening um I do have a Ferrari t-shirt on um so I relate to Luigi and Guido because I love Ferrari. Um, Sebastian Vettel, who did drive for Ferrari very briefly, um, he said everybody is a Ferrari fan, and that is true, because I don't know a single person that dislikes Ferrari. Um, yeah, so I relate to those characters, and I'm also very happy to see Ferrari doing extremely well um, this season in Formula One. They're leading both the Constructors and the Drivers' Championship by 11 points, uh, the Constructors' Championship by 11 points, and the Drivers' Championship by 27 points with Charles Leclerc ahead of Max Verstappen. So, yeah, I love Ferrari. <laughs> and yeah, I love Formula One. I watch mainly the European circuit. I don't really watch NASCAR. I'll put it on if it's on, but I don't go out of my way to see it. I would say that the character I most relate to maybe Fillmore. Um, so, you know, the hippie character, um, even though I don't really consider myself a hippie, but I feel like I'm very much one of those people that are just like really chill, just like go with the flow, 
um, sort of like a bit disengaged with some things and just like happy to just like sit there and just be like, yeah, like that's, you know, that's happening, this has happened and all this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, so I think that through that, um, yeah, I think that that's sort of what I tended to go to just in terms of like the characteristic. Um, and then I think that uh, there are a couple of occasions where Fillmore was blasting some music during the film as well. Uh, it was Jimi Hendrix and um, Sarge was telling him to turn that junk off and all this sort of stuff. And he's just like, respect the classics, man. Like it's Hendrix. And I'm just like, I feel like that would be me. I mean, um, you know, the amount of times that someone's told me to turn off my like punk mix and all this sort of stuff. And I'm just like, no, nah, man, and, like, I'm just going to continue to blast this. Um, so that would definitely be the response that I give all the time to. I just agree with you there. Like you do love your music and the both of you actually love your music. So it's something I can see both of you doing blasting your music um I think because I'm a p-plater a lot of people would maybe say I'm more like Lightning McQueen because I'm a young driver that's sort of new to the scene and sort of has no regard for anyone but themselves but obviously that's not how I am as a driver I'm very careful drive responsibly guys don't get yourself in a situation where you're speeding and destruct destroying property and are forced to figure fix the road so we will end with our final segment now where we ask if you could have a motorsport or a car racing related movie get made, what would it be and why? Mine would be about the Kelly brothers from the supercars, um, just doing maybe not a movie, but a documentary about um, their time in the sport. They've been in there for a pretty decent amount of time. Like, they were the first team that I ever supported when I was a kid, when they were together. Um, I like my, still my favorite livery of a supercar ever is the orange and black toll um, design that Rick Kelly drove. Um, I would love to see a documentary though on um, how they work as a team and then as opponents Um and yeah, just the inner workings and, and what it's like at the dinner table for them, like at, at Christmas, um, that would be a bit of fun. Um, yeah, I mean, you could do an animated like Australian cars version, um, but probably wouldn't be as um, imaginative because it doesn't have the Route 66. But yeah, maybe you could do across the Nullarbor Plain or do like the Fink Desert Race or something like that. But um yeah, I want to see the the Kelly Brothers. Kelly Brothers the musical. <laughs> Let's go for a musical. <laughs> I don't know. Anything on the Kelly Brothers is is in my wheelhouse. How about you, Beck? I mean, if like just on the um, Cars Animated, I guess it is doable, you know, a race at Barbagello and getting lost on the way to Bathurst. So two iconic tracks in terms of v8 supercars so it's definitely doable um oh geez formula one there's so many interesting storylines and i feel like the obvious one would be the max verstappen lewis hamilton championship fight um 
But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deviate to a newer championship fight that we are seeing this year. Um, and it's the fight between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. Now, the pair of them go way back to their karting days. And there is a video of them online post-race. Max, what's happened? No, he's just unfair. I'm leading, he wants to pass, he pushed me, I push him back, and after he pushed me off the track. It's not fair. Thank you, thank you, Max. Get the charts. What's happened with uh, Max? Nothing, just an incident on the race. Um, basically, what happened is, from what I could gather, Max was leading the race, Charles was like, you know, right behind Max. And then they got really heated and then Charles shunted Max off the track after the checkered flag had been raised. And it produced such a funny video because there they are, these two F1 drivers, as teenagers, like just, it's the funniest video ever. Anyway, the line from that video that's like the real zinger is nothing, just an incident um, said by Charles Leclerc. And I would like to see a movie of that rivalry, like two rivals in their childhood battling. They eventually enter Formula One and now they're fighting for a championship. And they, the pair just seems so predestined to be, you know, these drivers that they are. The stars have aligned for them. They were born 16 days apart. And it's actually funny I mentioned this because the incident video was actually released 10 years ago today on the day we're filming this but that's my movie nothing just an incident about max verstappen and charles leclerc uh my choice for a possible movie to be made has a bit of an australian flavor to it and i'd really love to see a movie about marcus ambrose uh so he was a australian former racing car driver and uh Basically, yeah, started in V8s. Um, he won the Australian V8 Supercar Series Championship in 2003 and 2004. And then in 2006, he relocated to the US to pursue racing in NASCAR. Um, and he moved up the ranks. And in 2011, he won his first Cup Series win at the Watkins Glen International and therefore became the first Australian driver to win the highest level of NASCAR. And he repeated that win the following year. And so I think that... Uh, just so obviously being the first Australian driver to win at that level, um, obviously the highest level of NASCAR is quite an achievement. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see that played out and told on the big screen. All right. And that unfortunately does bring us to the end of this week's episode of Girls on Film, taking a look at cars. And so Beck, Danny, would you like to share your social media handles with us? Of course. Um, so I am at Rebecca Ruthven, two A's, um, at the end of Rebecca, um, on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, chuck us a follow there. And I'm on Instagram at dcb.photo. Um, I have actually photographed the supercars before, so I might share some of those in honour of this recording. And um, on Twitter, I'm at It's Danny Brown, or one word. And you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Jace Herbs. You've been listening to Goals on Film. You can find Goals on Film on Twitter and Instagram at Goals on Film Pod. Goals on Film is part of the Edge of the Crowd network. You can find Edge of the Crowd on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube at Edge of the Crowd. 
You can also read any of our stories, be it sport or culture, um, on our website, www.edgeofthecrowd.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.